Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the Future Hospitality Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Wells, joined today by co-host Dustin Myers. We are partners at Longitude Branding, a hospitality, branding, and experience design agency. At Future Hospitality, our goal is to interview the brightest minds in the industry, gathering insights, ideas, and inspiration to share with you. Today, we're joined by Anthony Langan. Anthony is Corporate Director of Food and Beverage for Charlestown Hotels out of Charleston, South Carolina. Anthony will be sharing his experience and ideas around food and beverage for the hotel industry and the important role that it plays. He'll also share a little bit about his background growing up in the industry and how that shaped his career. So let's go ahead and jump in. First of all, Anthony, thank you for joining us and uh, taking no, time out here to uh, speak with us here. Uh, this is the first episode of Future Hospitality, as you see behind us in the background. Um, yeah. Future Hospitality. Dustin, do you want to describe kind of what the podcast, like the purpose of it and uh, why we wanted to start it? Yeah, so Future Hospitality is um, a lot of interviews and uh, just trying to stay on the cutting edge of the hospitality industry. Um, so looking at future trends to watch for, um, as well as timeless principles from the past that we can continue to build on and evolve. Um, so really, we're just uh, interviewing some of the brightest minds in the hospitality industry and um, seeing how design, branding, architecture, food and beverage, all the different aspects of it can come together to create a really memorable experience. Yeah. Interviewing the brightest minds, or you're stuck with me for the first one. <laughs> so you put the honor of being the first guest here, so which is really yeah. cool for us. Um, no, and I, I, I love what you guys are doing too. I think it's, I think it's awesome. I think, um, you know, we, we need more, and I'm surprised that there's not, but I think we need more, more outlets like this, more conversations like this going on. Um, as big as our industry is, it's surprising how little of this there is. Yeah. Yeah, and we kind of saw we saw a need for something like that, plus something like this, a format like this. Plus, it's just uh, exciting for us to get to talk to people like yourself um, that are doing really, really awesome stuff, and uh, just kind of learn from you and um, get some of your insights. Yeah. So, um, I met uh, for those of you watching. I met Anthony. Um, I think probably, I think we connected before the holidays uh, mm -hmm. last year. We just kind of. I saw some of the work that he was doing at the time. He was, uh, he was with Vision Hospitality, right? And, yep. um, and over the time that I first met him, he's been making a transition from uh, Vision to Charlestown um, Hotel Group. Uh, is that yep. the name, the proper name of theirs? Uh, Charlestown Hotels. Hotels, yeah. Um, yep. So, um, yeah, so he's kind of in, in the middle of a transition right now, which I'm sure, you know, requires, you know, you're moving and stuff and uh, moving the family. Yeah, it's all the, all the life stuff, you know, packing yeah. boxes and things like that. Yeah. So um, Anthony and I uh, kind of briefly discussed for a little bit on the phone just before, you know, a few weeks ago. And it was really neat to kind of hear his story from where he came from growing up, um, even in the hospitality industry. And it was really kind of cool hearing yeah. it from him. Um, 
I thought it was, I thought it was personally really cool. And I'd like Anthony, if you could kind of share um, your kind of journey from, from childhood, even all the way up to where you're at and kind of, you know, you mentioned growing up in the hospitality industry and kind of seeing the, yeah. Of, yeah. Um, you know, what was that like for you? Yeah. Yeah. And no, it really, it really does start at the, at the beginning kind of for me. So um, when I was born, my, um, my dad was a bellman and my mom was the bartender at the Marriott in St. Louis. Um, and my mom would eventually become a teacher, but my dad has stayed in the hotel business um, you know, throughout his life and then, you know, my entire life. So I kind of grew up in and around hotels. Um, I, you know, some of my earliest memories in life are in hotels. I remember walking into my dad's office when I was a kid and seeing like the big chair that he was sitting in at the time. And um, I just, I, I was, I just thought it was the coolest thing. You know, I, I've, I've always loved hotels from the time I was a, a kid. And so I always knew that I wanted to, to be in the hotel industry, be a part of the hotel industry. Um, and as I, as I kind of started um, getting, you know, I, I worked any job you can think of. I was a you know maintenance tech and a front desk agent. And uh, I drove a hotel shuttle for a while, uh, which was actually one of the cooler jobs to and from Midway Airport in Chicago. Yes. Um, but yeah, then it, it um, sort of blossomed into an opportunity in, in Hotel F&B more specifically, and that's um, something that I fell even further in love with. So did you, uh, did you go to college and, and get some sort of hospitality management degree also, or did you go for like some, what, you know, what kind of, transitioned you from like the childhood experience to like your professional experience yeah yeah it was um it was a lot of things it was you know i went uh i went um you know for business administration at illinois state university um you know would work you know different jobs in different parts of the hotel industry and then uh yeah after college the the first opportunity that, that I got in the, for a management role in the hotel industry is uh, as an assistant outlets manager. So outlets, restaurant, bar and room service. Um, and that was at the Chicago Mart Plaza, which is connected to the Merchandise Mart in downtown Chicago. And I didn't, you know, I, I, I had had some food and beverage experience at the time. I, I had worked in, in restaurants, um, a bus or a host. I think I had a lot of hospitality jobs over time, but um, I was I was struck by a lot of things about that job pretty much right away. Um, one of the uh, one of the interesting things is so the check-in experience, right? Somebody walks up to the front desk and and they're checking into the hotel and they're there for like three minutes in total. Um, but then I I had them in the restaurant for an hour and in the bar at night for an hour. And there, there's so much focus on the hotel side, but I thought, man, there's this huge opportunity with so much more time with them in food and beverage. I mean, that's a real chance to make an impact on someone's stay. Um, so that, that kind of got me, got me hooked. Yeah, it seems like over, especially over recent years, like the focus for hotels on food and beverage um, has kind of come you know, come into the front light for a lot of people in their mind. And it seems like, you know, you, you were kind of noticing that years ago. 
what kind of made that? Yeah. Uh, was it just the noticing of the time spent at the front desk or was there something else that made it kind of click for you? Like we need to, we need to be focusing on food and beverage. There's a lot of value to add here to hotels. Is that you know, what kind of led to that, I guess, change of thought for you? Or was it just, was it something you always kind of just knew inherently? Yeah, no, I, I, you know, I kind of observed the the fact that we, we had that time and, and then was also struck by the fact that, um, you know, I think for a long time, and it's, it's funny how, you know, there are sort of cycles with everything. I think a long time ago, if you wanted to go out to a nice dinner with your family, you went to the hotel. Um, you would go to a hotel for a, a dinner, or a, you know, if it's a holiday, it was like a great place to go get a meal. Um, and then when I came into the industry, it was, it was still at that point where it was firmly in amenity territory at, at most properties. You know, you weren't going out of your way uh, to go to a hotel restaurant. You're probably just having breakfast there before you went out for the day. Um, maybe you had one drink at, a bar, at the bar at night, but you certainly weren't, um, you know, going out of your way. It was a matter of convenience and an amenity more than anything, which seemed like a missed opportunity. And, and I think that the, the industry has, um, you know, has started to realize that. And you, you see kind of these ebbs and flows and different trends. And so when I was starting off in Chicago, we opened um, one of the first hotel sky bars, rooftop bars in Chicago. Um, and like that whole wave then of rooftop bars, like every hotel got one, every hotel had a bar on top of it. Fast forward seven years later, and I'm in Nashville, and opened the first hotel rooftop bar in Nashville. And it was funny to see then every hotel kind of start doing the exact same thing. And there is this interesting phenomenon where if you look to like the bigger cities, um, if you look to the New York, Chicago's, LA's, and see the trends that are emerging there today, you can carry those forward to other markets um, and, and usually beat the competition to market. So that's kind of one thing I saw over time. Um, but yeah, 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 no, it's, uh, it's an ever-evolving business and one that struck me as a big opportunity early on, for sure. Yeah, I find it interesting that I think a lot of hotels would view the food and beverage side as just additional revenue. Um, yeah. But in your mind, it's um, a huge opportunity to impact the guest. Um, yeah. So I guess in, in that line of thinking, like, what have you seen from um, successful hotels uh, being able to integrate their uh, hotel strategy with the food and beverage side and how have you seen that impact being made? Yeah, yeah I think, I mean, it can, when you got that much time with somebody, you can go one of two ways for you, for sure. Um, so <laughs> there, but really food and beverage can be your, you know, your best ally in the hotel business. If, you know, if something goes wrong in a room, there is no better way to recover that, you know, that guest than with food and beverage, whether it's, you know, something small to the room, you know, come have dinner with us. Let me buy you a drink uh, and vice versa. You know, I think it, it works both ways and, and that rooms and F and B relationship is important. If, 
maybe things don't go well in the bar and we have to go to the front desk and say, hey, guys, you know, what do you think we can do for Mr. and Mrs. Johnson? You know, they didn't like their drinks. Um, uh, so I, I think it, it, it's a mutually beneficial relationship. Um, you know, one great thing about Hotel F&B, I think, is uh, sometimes in independent restaurants and bars, the culture can be different. Um, back of house and front of house. And, and that's good and bad in a lot of cases. But the bad is minimized in a hotel setting because you have this underlying hospitality culture of this larger business. Um, so I've always loved that. Uh, you know, I think, I think really to drive that, that, that home, the big focus and, and it should always be on experience. And we talk about a lot of other things. Um, we get sort of caught up a lot of times talking about the sexy stuff. Like I love a good branded napkin as much as anybody, as much as anybody else. But like that's, that's not a brand experience, you know, that that's, that's a napkin and, and nobody really cares. Uh, so, you know, pulling through pieces of your brand, your, your hotel identity, your F and B outlet identity, pulling that through into the guest experience in like a really genuine way, that's, that's where the impact is made. Um, so one, one example and something Jeremy and I uh, talked about is um, with Vision, we opened a gin bar in Memphis uh, called the Greyhound. And it's built on top of the site of what was an old Greyhound bus terminal. Um, and Greyhound's, you know, classic gin cocktail. So this, there was an opportunity in the market as well. So everything kind of worked out um, for that. So then how do you pull that brand through to life? So we took an old, um, like, you know, the, the Greyhound bus schedule that you get and shows you, you know, where all, what's going where and when, uh, and turn that into like a little order ticket that you could, that you had at your table and you could fill out. It was essentially like a table side gin and tonic program. So you could select your, select your gin, select your tonic, select your, um, any like mixers and garnishes. And then we would bring this, you know, really nice West Elm cart table side and make this, this gin and tonic for you right there. Um, and you can't do that with every drink. You pick your spots, but that's, that's the, like maximizing the value proposition for a guest in a way that makes sense to your brand identity. I think that's, sort of how you do it more than just like, you know, our napkin says the Greyhound. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. Uh, I love that concept when we were talking about it. It just sounded like a really cool place. That's still around. You know, what is it called? Yeah. Yeah. It's called the Greyhound. The Greyhound. Okay. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did you ever like, you mentioned like you put in these two new, like brand new, like rooftop bars that were kind of new for the area. Mm -hmm. Was there ever any time, whether it was those moments or other times where um, you experienced maybe like a little pushback um, as far as introducing, you know, some uh, food and beverage to a, a hotel or to an experience or to, uh, you kind of had to do some convincing um, to kind of get people on board. Cause it seems like there yeah. might be moments where like, like you said, like some people might not realize the value of it or realize how compliant. So have you ever ran into that where you kind of had to do a little extra work to get people, everyone on board? Yeah. 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 You know, what's funny is that's a great, that's a great question. And like almost every time, 
to some degree there there really is like uh so uh one of the two rooftop bars was a rooftop bar in nashville called up a rooftop lounge and um it sits on top of a fairfield and in suites now that's not exactly what you would think like sexy rooftop bar in nashville you wouldn't think oh of course it's on top of a fairfield uh so there you know there is this initial like hmm, do these things two things go together but um what we found is that you know people first of all that's a great fairfield that's an incredible hotel shout out to them but um they they really they bought in faster than I, I i thought they would um when we executed on you know what what we were promising we delivered the experience we had the great views people didn't care as much anymore about the name on the hotel if they saw if we could get them an image of our drinks the view all of a sudden that conversation about the hotel brand didn't matter as much and i think being smart about you know there was a separate elevator that that just ran from the first floor directly to the rooftop um so you 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 could bypass part of the experience um we even changed the lights and the music inside the elevator just to make it feel very different. Um, but yeah, there was, there's that one. There's, you know, a really high end rooftop bar that we did uh, a couple years ago in Chattanooga uh, called Whiskey Thief. And that was a very different kind of experience for the market. Um, so people weren't really used to in Chattanooga, you know, going to a bar and not being able to get in and uh, you know how do you it was it was off-putting and kind of working through the messaging of that like no no we have we we want you in here we really do but we we want we just don't want to jam you in like it's not a shot in a beer place right. you can't just we're not slinging you know bud lights and jaeger um and not that there's anything wrong with that i'm a budweiser guy myself actually but for the experience that we were delivering there to that customer, it, you know, we had to cut off the number of people that can come in at a certain time and there's pushback on that. So I think it's all how you, you, you talk to the community about who you are, you know, communicating on social media. If you, if you're running an F and B outlet and you've got a private event and you're going to be closed, tell people for sure. Tell people, uh, tell them on social media that you're closed that night, you know, get that word out to them talk to the hotel valets. As soon as somebody pulls up in their car, don't let them get all the way out and get all the way up there and then find out your clothes. Like make it as easy as possible for, for people to know, Hey, this is who we are and this is what's going on. And I think that's how you work through a lot of those problems. But yeah, it's funny. I think like every spot has a little bit of that. It's <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah, just, just one follow-up question question on that um yeah so on the greyhound specifically that sounds like a very um like very well executed pull through on the brand concept and all of that when you're working with um interior designers architects maybe a branding agency um the in-house team how have you seen um i guess when those projects really just all come together. Um, what works differently on those as opposed to one that might be more fragmented? 
Yeah, I think I think it's really important and, and something that I um I saw early on when I got in the development side was there uh, a lot of times there were these conversations where um it was designers kind of designing in a bubble. Um, you know, the the identities created in a bubble. And all these people do kind of talk back and forth about it and but there is there there can be this hard line between that and operations that I think is kind of missing a really big opportunity to engage folks in operations early on in the process. You know, the the location of that server station matters. You know what what are the um, you know the MEP the you know the 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 data and the um, the power for your POS terminals. Like do we have the right things in the right spots. Um, I think when it goes well, everyone is is kind of open and and having conversations. And one of the hardest parts about it is setting ego aside. And and that it it's it's super tough. And I, I'm I'm sure you guys could speak to this, especially you know earlier in your career. You you create this thing, right? You have this idea and it's great. And then you send it out to the world. And, um, I, it's a hard lesson to learn that your everything you do that you just poured your heart and soul into is about to get judged <laughs> and, and maybe not always as nicely as you would like. Um, so I think having a, um, a, a spirit of openness and knowing that, Hey, you can throw out 90, you throw out a hundred ideas, 99 of them might be no, but that hundredth one may be the one that makes the difference and, and just being resilient enough to not stop um, and working with a team that is willing to listen. Really good. Yeah. Cool. So as we, as kind of the theme of the podcast, um, you know, is the future of hospitality and kind of what that looks like and everyone's kind of take on yeah. that. Um, you know, as it relates even, you know, to what you, what you do specifically, and then maybe even outside of that a little bit, like, how do you see, and like, whether it's some trends or just the way that the market's moving, how do you see um, the future of hospitality, you know, in the next five, 10 plus years? Uh, what do you, what significant things are going to be changing? You know, is it, you know, more recently, it's been like the, the introduction of like creating experience and, you know, really focusing mm -hmm. on that. Um, outside of just amenities alone, but actually creating like, you know, uh, an experience for a traveler. Um, you know, there's been yeah. focuses on um, the, the food and beverage aspects. There's been other focuses on different things. You know, do you have any idea of like where, where the hospitality industry is going and, and you know, just kind of like guessing your best guess about where it's going to go into the future? So, so what, one thing I always think is, you can you hear this this type of question asked like on panels and i always i kind of laugh inside because like when i see the all the executives lined up on stage and they're getting interviewed and they're like what technology or you know what's the future of hospitality look like and down the line it's like well with airbnb airbnb like it gets the same kind of answer which i think speaks to a broader problem with the industry um because that like if you're talking about that as a future, like that future's already here. So 
you know, we're, we're, we're way past that being the future. Um, that future will continue to evolve, but um, I just always think it's funny because you can queue up the Airbnb answer for, with most people. Oh. Um, but I do, I do think it, you know, to that, I think we'll continue to see, um, you know, lodging, especially in brands. I think hotels will become increasingly decentralized. So there, there will be less of an emphasis needed, I think, on traditional brands in, in some markets in particular, you know, larger markets, certainly, you already see that, but smaller markets as well. I mean, the, the, you used to be driving down the road and you would see Holiday Inn and you knew that there was a clean bed and, you know, friendly staff and standards there. Um, and maybe the Johnson Inn, like, or the, you know, the Langan in uh, maybe you didn't know what to expect uh, from from that place but now I mean with the internet the world will tell you exactly what that place is so there's no there's there's less of that need to rely on brands and I think hotel owners and, and management comp- companies are becoming increasingly comfortable with taking the chance to go out on their own and create something a brand and experience themselves um, I think the goal is sort of like, um, so when you think of a Disney resort, you, you go to Disney World with your family, the minute you hit the resort, it doesn't matter if you're in your room, in the lobby, in the park, it, you never leave that experience. You're, you're in that experience in your hotel room, you're in that experience the entire time. And in, you know, a, if it's a traditional chain hotel, I think, you know, that experience at some point stops and you could be in the lobby of any hotel in any city in the country. But I think you'll see more and more that experience kind of pull through. So the city, like in more meaningful and, and uh, genuine ways, will come into the hotel more and more uh, often and into restaurants and bars more often. Um, I think in terms of technology and trends and things what one one that i find interesting is like digital education um so in the amount we were joking earlier but like the amount you learn from youtube uh nowadays is it can be incredible you know what you can learn there um and i'm actually doing a thing now have you guys heard of a website called edx yeah yeah so like I'm taking an edX class on connected strategy. It's nice. two professors from the you know Wharton School of Business. Um, so the the ability to have access to like that type of education and that type of growth um, you know, is only growing. And I, and I think there's a big opportunity in us, um, you know, as management companies, as as owners to how do we continue to teach and educate the people that work with us and ourselves? And I think deploying digital platforms, um, you know, whether it's short learnings, long coursework, I think there's a big opportunity there uh, to continue to, you know, elevate our whole workforce with us. Like it's not enough for me to just learn something like uh, I need to bring people with me because that's, I'm not, I'm not, I have yet to ever do anything by myself in this business and I doubt I ever will. Um, so I think focusing on educating other people and bringing them up with you is super important. Um, sort of a weird one I think about 
that that could become a big a big factor in the businesses. So autonomous driving, and and this is sort of an odd an odd one, but so I'm in Chattanooga, Tennessee right now, and I grew up in Chicago, and you know Chattanooga sits basically halfway between Chicago, Wisconsin, Northwest Indiana, Michigan, and Florida. So what you have seen in Chattanooga for decades is families who or people who are traveling from the north to Florida are will stay over in Chattanooga. It's becoming more of a destination on its own, but like a significant portion of the lodging nights in the city were dependent on that travel. Now, what happens if five, ten years down the road, if I don't have to drive? You know, if, if I'm, whether it's a, you know, an autonomous ride share or if it's, you know, my own autonomous vehicle and, and I, I don't have to worry about, like, holding onto the steering wheel and being glued to it for 10 hours and that's all I can do. I need a place to crash. Um, I think that that'll probably have a bigger impact than people realize currently. Um, really and also, I'd like to, yeah, yeah, it's a weird one, but. I'd also like to just put our food and drink in cars and just send it to them. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. I, you know, I, I think that uh, you brought up an interesting point. You, you know, you kind of joked about the Airbnb thing, but you know, I've, I've read a couple articles, I think recently even that about how um, even though Airbnb has changed, you know, the landscape and everyone talks about it, it's a buzz, you know, the buzzword at this point to kind of, talk about it. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, there's the one unique factor, especially on the food and beverage side, when you're talking about adding in um, that level of experience to a hotel, uh, it's really yeah. a unique selling point for, it can be a unique selling point for a hotel. Um, 100%. Just because, you know, Airbnb can't really deliver, at least currently deliver an experience like that, that's um, so integrated. And you know, I just think that's really um interesting point there um yeah yeah no and i totally agree with you yeah that that's that is a like a big differentiator for sure yeah it's a, that's a huge one i also thought i forgot to mention this earlier but you had mentioned um how at the hotels that you added a rooftop bar um there was like kind of an importance of putting like a separate entrance a separate elevator even for that yeah. experience you know um kind of segmenting out the travelers that are visit that are staying at the hotel versus like locals, like what sort of emphasis there, um, you know, do you think is important to have uh, between both groups? Yeah. Both yeah. That's a, that's a, yeah, that's a great, a great question. And, and I, I almost, um, I, I think sometimes I don't even, I don't even think about it anymore because I just, I, it's, it's so automatic, but um, it's almost like you're not making any of it for the hotel guest in a lot of ways. Um, you take that into consideration, you know, in a lot of things you do and making it easy for them to access it and maybe programs that are specific to them, benefits that travel into the room. Um, but that, that restaurant, that bar, winning in, in hotel F&B, requires you to bring in guests from the outside to have a truly 
unique um, uh, experience and really deliver something special. I think you, you, it's hard to survive on just the hotel guest alone. Um, but if you design with something that, you know, hey, we want this to be the spot for the community. Because the question you always get from the hotel guests is, well, where do the locals go? And if you can just say, oh, they go right here. <laughs> they yeah. go to the, the, the bar at the place that you're already at. You're going to get the, the hotel guest then at that point. Um, so I think, yeah, I, I really probably would disproportionately focus on the local community and something that, that is cool and a draw to them and a great experience for them. And that will win you your hotel guests. Yeah, that's great. So, um, I guess last question here, um, you know, kind of circling back to just you and, and kind of where you're going personally and professionally. Um, what does, what would you say like your future in this, in this industry in the hospitality industry looks like? And, you know, um, what plans do you have? What ambitions do you have? And, um, kind of moving yeah. forward. And I'm, uh, I'm, I, I feel lucky to, to get to do what I do. And, um, you know, this is, this is the, the dream, like in terms of hotel F and B jobs, like corporate director of food and beverage for Charlestown hotels, like that's, that's, um, it doesn't get a whole lot better than that. I don't, you know, that, that, that in itself is, is something I love and every day, you know, love. So kind of working with a great team there. And just, I think more than anything, um, so there's this, uh, there's this, I think it's, uh, oh gosh, Richard Branson is the guy, is the guy I'm looking for. So Richard Branson has this great quote, um, above all, you want to create something you're proud of. And, and that really, that really resonates with me. You know, it, I want to, I want to do things that Charlestown hotels is proud of. I want to do things that, that I'm proud of that my wife be the kind of person and, and personally and professionally that my wife and kids are proud of. Um, that that's really what matters. I think more than anything is, yeah, you know, I do. I do like to think that someday in the future, you know, my kids will be, they're six, four and two now, so they're not going to be driving for a while, but I could picture them, you know, if someday in the future they drive by a hotel and, or they drive by a restaurant or a bar and they can say, you know, my, my dad helped create that. Um, and, and they're proud of, of me and of the things I've done. I think like, that's that's the goal for sure it's awesome good stuff well anthony i really appreciate uh you joining us today and taking the time out to uh do that no thank you guys honored uh, awesome. to speak with you and i hope uh i, I know that our the people listening will be, get a lot of value out of it and uh, so uh anthony how can uh people learn more about you and charlestown and 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 whatnot. How can they, you know, if you wanted, to, if someone wanted to reach out or just learn more about what you're doing? Yeah, yeah. You can you can find me on on LinkedIn. Um, search for Anthony Langan and look for this space, and you'll you'll find me. Uh, I also um, I've got some examples of of F and B on a website called OnTheFlyFB.com. Um, 
and Charlestown Hotels and, and our incredible portfolio there. You can check out at Charleston Hotels, charlestownhotels.com. So, yeah. It's yeah. a very, very, very cool website, and the portfolio is really, really cool. So I'm excited for you. Thanks, man. So, thanks, brother. Cool. Well, thanks for joining us. Yeah. And uh, until next time, thank you, everyone, for watching and uh, listening. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks. 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 Appreciate it, guys. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Future Hospitality Podcast. If you enjoyed today's topic and episode, please leave us a review. You can also find us on Instagram at Future Hospitality and on Facebook by searching for Future Hospitality. 